1: We're back and joining me, you guys might remember him, right around the holidays we talked to him, Jim Allen. You can check him out on Twitter at JballAllen, jballallen.com in Japan, Baseball Weekly Podcast. And Jim was kind enough to talk to us about Kodai Senga, and we'll start there. And Jim, perfect guy, welcome to the program. How are you? You're joining us, and I always love talking to you because you're 24 hours ahead almost here. So I know that, like I said, I'll make the same joke I did last time. I know this tomorrow, so we're in a good place. How you doing?
2: Yeah, you've got uh, tomorrow's news today. Uh, yeah, it's Monday. It's uh, eleven a.m. Monday morning in Japan. So uh, I'm fine, thanks. Uh, the weekend's over, but at the end, the Japanese season is still regular season is just about grinding down to a halt. Uh, a little game, a few games every day. Normally Monday's an off day, but we get no luck, no rest for the wicked uh, in October.
1: Now for sure. Major League Baseball playoffs in full swing. Mets are not in it. And we'll start off with Kodai Singa. You know, when you and I spoke, it was before Senga had decided on a team and shortly thereafter he had picked the Mets. And look, I was very critical of not of the move, but of the Mets' decision to put so much stock in Senga, passing on veterans like Chris Bassett, Taiwan Walker. You know, you and I had talked about some of the concerns of his health, and the Mets had found that out in an MRI adjusting to the American game, the ball, you know, he had some control and command issues in Japan and I'll tell you what, this season could not have gone any better for Senga right up there in terms of performance with Nomo. If you look at the stats, when he came Mm -hmm. on board, not the same fanfare ninth, I was looking at it this morning, ninth best overall season of a Japanese pitcher in history of baseball. And if you use wins above replacement and Probably going to get some rookie of the year votes, maybe some down ballot Cy Young votes. You couldn't ask for more, and the attitude's great. And it seems like the sky's the limit. So uh, I was wrong. You know, I don't know how much of Singer you've seen this year pitching for the Mets, but give us your take. You know, this must be a really uh, for someone who covers Japanese baseball. This is a coup, man. This is a great uh, season, one of the better seasons a Japanese pitcher has had.
2: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm both. I'm pleasantly surprised because the transition for him went uh, as well as can be. Uh, there's lots of guys who I think will transition very easily and they often don't. Or they sometimes don't. Uh, but his was as good as can be. It's it's really, really not easy. But on the other hand, he's got the advantage of having Billy Upler there who scouted Japan a long time and has a, a great affinity for Japanese baseball and the challenges they face. And and he and I have talked about that in the past regarding Shohei Otani and other players. So I'm not surprised that he at least had some idea of what Senga was going through, and that helps. But you know you got to really put that all on Senga and uh, his agent. I think Joel uh, Wolf is also great assistance there because he deals with a lot of Japanese players, and he's part of that network. Uh, Senga's uh, tuned in with. Uh, you Darvish and, and Shohei Otani and they you know they help each other out a lot. Udarvish is just a, a font of knowledge for all the Japanese you know he doesn't say this is what you need to do but when people come and ask him he will open his arms open his home to them uh embrace them listen to what they need to do you know listen to them He's like, a, he's like a Japanese coach in America, and I think uh, Kodai Senga is a very, very, uh, what's it, inquisitive, well, they're all inquisitive, or else they wouldn't be an MLB, but he's inquisitive to the point of questioning his own assumptions. He's very open-minded uh, and also a bulldog, so... You know, all those things worked for him. Uh, Some of the bad things that often happen didn't uh, happen to him. You know, his command was was exactly as predicted. Uh, He has days where it's his worst enemy and days where it's suddenly gone and you just wish somebody else was out there pitching against you.
1: But he's been in the second half. I mean, his walk rate went down to about three and a half in the second half. He that's made very tons good. Of impress- it's very good. and You know, he's not the same pitcher. He's a guy that's throwing strikes. And a couple of weeks ago, even against the Marlins, he only struck out three, but he was able to, to navigate the game and win. You know, even when he didn't have his best stuff, you started to see progress. And not many players come over at the age of 30. I know Nomo was older, and we'll talk about a couple of younger guys that might come over. But coming over, and and I didn't realize the – the adjustment on the ball. I mean, forget about the food, the culture. You know, we talked about the adjustment on the ball and also getting used to everything else. It's almost asking a lot of these guys. I am I guess the ball was always an issue, but this year it seemed to be with the pitch clock. I mean, you could not have found a harder time to make the transition over than yeah, the, did this
2: year. Yeah, well, the ball, one of the things about the ball that is really good for Japanese pitchers is because the MLB ball is slicker. Uh, splitters tend to be better than they are in Japan. (laughs) You know, they, they, they were coming on a ball. You know, they're trying to get as little, uh, rotation as possible, as little backspin as possible on that pitch. And the Japanese ball is naturally tacky. So it's much harder in Japan to get that, (laughs) but everybody throws it. So I think when they go to MLB and that ball comes out of their hand as, uh, swallows pitcher size, Sneed said like a wet rock it's a heck of a lot easier I think it makes the the splitter much nastier and of course they've got the other advantage in that there's more there are more MLB hitters who are swinging from the heels and trying to elevate those pitches <laughs> that are dropping into the dirt sure and, and, there are those guys, there are those guys in, in in Japan, there are Japanese guys who hit like that, but not often on two strikes. <laughs> and I think that's where he probably uh, went to the bank.
1: Absolutely. And Jim Allen is joining me. If you want to know about Japanese baseball, go to J. Uh, Ball Allen, the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. Here's a guy that's over in Japan, has talked to the players, watches the players, not just looking at stats like we are over here in the States. I call this coming up the winter of Otani. It's going to be fascinating. And, you know, everybody believes it's going to come down to the Mets and the Dodgers. I have my doubts that the Mets in transition could um, sell Otani on coming to New York, even with the highest bid. Could you have imagined seven years ago when he signed with the Angels, when this whole Two way thing when I first heard about him, like you got to be kidding me, a two way player, you know. Brooks Kishnick did that, and okay, that's cute. Uh, and I know he's not pitching, and I know he's had some issues with his elbow, and you know, he does have somewhat of a violent delivery, but he's gotten better every year. He's at an elite status, he's hitting like bonds, uh, he's pitching like at least a number three at times. Uh, you know, it's got to be crazy for you who's watched Japanese baseball. We've never seen a player who is going to headline the winter. It is the winter of Otani. Someone's going to get him. And maybe it's not the Mets or the Dodgers, but someone's going to get him and it's going to be big news. Uh, your thoughts, you know, as you watch this, uh, you know, former Japanese player barnstorm his way through, uh, you know, major league baseball and becoming arguably one of the best players of all time. Well, the interesting thing about Otani is that
2: he really isn't a Japanese style player. He wasn't a Japanese style player when he was here I mean, he was ready to be. He completely would have been, if he'd gone to MLB out of high school as an 18 year old, he would have been a pitcher and there never would have been any questions asked. And if he hadn't gone, if he hadn't said he was going to go to MLB as a pitcher, no Japanese team would have given him a chance to bat. 100%. Japan is even more, and ironically, Japan is more dead set against two way players than MLB. Well, they were as dead as as dead set against it as MLB used to be. Wow, MLB is now more open to it than Japan sure. is.
1: Yeah, he's and, transformed and, it. I think he's played a big part in it. That where uh, he's a pioneer, if you really think about it.
2: Well, he yeah. is, and it's completely accidental because Japan didn't want it, MLB didn't want it, but the mere fact that they he became a two way player because the uh, the Nippon Ham Fighters, which is the co- the parent company, is Nippon Ham. They're they make sausage and pork products and such, <laughs> and they're the fighters, and they they play up in the northernmost island of Hokkaido. And they nobody drafted Otani except them because everybody thought he was going to go to MLB. He said, "Don't draft me, I'm going to MLB." Well, the fighters took a chance, and then they made a, a full court press to to sign him. And part of the process was, what can we do to keep this guy in Japan? And one of the one of they said, hey, we want to give you a chance to be a two-way player, which is something no Japanese team and no MLB team was ever in a million years willing to do. But the fighters had to pull out all the stops to sign him. And they took endless amount. I mean, he was everything he possibly could have done in that area. And he still got flack from the old establishment in Japan every single year. He shouldn't be batting, he shouldn't be batting, he shouldn't be batting. I'm not kidding. I mean, he went to America and they said, "Oh well, he shouldn't be batting. He's finished <laughs> the year before his m v p and and the reason for that is of uh, uh, the reason for that is probably because these old guys believe the only way to be the best player you can be is to practice twenty four seven at one thing and Here's a guy who doesn't, because he's got to practice pitching and he's got to practice hitting. And if you can be better than they were practicing half the time, well, your whole story, your whole life story and life lesson is now much, you know, it's diluted. You know, he's making us look bad or he's making our argument look bad. So we have to, so uh, basically they're going, Oh, he still could, he still should give up hitting because he could be the best pitcher in the world. And he'll never be that if he keeps hitting,
1: you know, they're they're they're, they have not let up. And, and you know, and I don't agree with that, Jim, you know, when I look at him as a player, I mean, I think he's a better hitter. He's a good pitcher. I think there is, and not just because he just got hurt, there's health concerns. He has a violent delivery. So does Senga, you know, uh, and you look at him on the offensive side, he's gotten better every year. He's in his prime now. I think the bigger question is, comes back in a year, let's say, starts pitching again. It's enough for a pitcher to go through a baseball season, learning how to pitch, navigating every five or six days. Uh, Could you imagine, have to do that on both sides of the ball, understanding he's a DH, doesn't have to play the field, but there's no break. And he's not sitting around for four days looking at charts. He's playing every day. It's fascinating. And how long can he do it?
2: Yeah, that's really the question. Right now, he has um, essentially no personal life. I mean, well, that's that's hard. That's you know, he has no personal life like, well, I don't know about you, but and I I probably don't have one either since I'm I'm writing and writing and doing everything all the time. But most people who have time off with their family, he doesn't you know, he doesn't have a, a family uh, he pretty much spends 360 days training for baseball. Yep. And so he's, he's a unique person in that respect. Now, at some point he's going to say, I've achieved my goals. Now it's time to set a new one, which is, you know, personal. And maybe he'll, he'll cut down on that, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, his work, his
1: ability to work. Is unsurpassed. You, if you had to take a crystal ball and maybe just—and this is just a prediction—I'm not saying you know anything. But I don't know anything. Obviously, neither of us know anything. But what would you think, knowing Otani? Assuming money is all equal, where do you think a guy like that would want to play? You know, here's a guy who basically wanted to go to MLB at 18. So he's Mm -hmm. one that likes to push the envelope. Here, he's not a—he's not a wallflower. LA yeah. seems so obvious, you know, you have Seattle, you have the Mets, uh, you know, maybe the Yankees and so on. When well, you hear this thing about, he doesn't like the East coast. He never wanted to play on the East coast. Uh, who knows what's true. What is, what would you, what is your thought? You know, you have an opinion like everybody else. What would your opinion, where would you think you'd see a guy Well, like he, Otani wind up?
2: Okay. Well, I think the big, the big thing uh, for him, a big thing for him will be training in Arizona. Sure. So I think the 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 Mets are out for that reason. I think he likes being in Arizona. He trained in Arizona uh, for a couple of years when the Fighters were remodeling their uh, spring training camp, and they'd spend two weeks uh, every February in uh, Peoria, I think. And uh, so I think that's going to be a thing. And he did he has let it slip out, although not saying this but a reporter asked him when they played the giants uh in the end of august i think he said how does it feel you know the reporter knew and he knew but he had never said it he said how did it feel playing against a team that you very nearly signed with and he said yeah i was about to go to the giants until the angels changed my mind
1: uh, my guess is he's going to go to the giants interesting that's an interesting way to to look at it uh, uh, jim yeah, go ahead, and, I'm
2: sorry. Okay. I I just think there's, you know, you when you first contacted me, there was a question about the relationship between Japanese players being on teams with other Japanese players. And I I've, I've been thinking about that, but it's it's pretty much true. They don't they don't want to go and I don't think it's a case of I want to be the star and somebody else is the star but i think there's a japanese thing there's a, a part of what they teach japanese kids in school which is what we call culture you know how they t- you sure. know how parents in schools teach kids is that uh being a bother to other people is definitely not okay that's really that's a, a prime element of japanese culture and i think that you no know, you know, if it's San Diego, I don't think the Padres are all that interested right now. I mean, they're interested, but they're interested in their budget. Uh, sure, But I think he doesn't want to be the guy who messes up somebody else's,
1: you know, s- s- turf. Sure. It makes sense. You know, what's interesting is, as you bring that up, one of the keys to improvement that a lot of Mets fans have looked at, especially because they don't want to give up the draft picks and understanding that they're going to try to compete, but maybe not go all out for the Scherzers and the Verlanders that they have in the past. And you look at uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who pitches this no hitter in front of Brian Cashman. And, and he's another guy that's on the radar supposedly of Steve Cohen and David Stearns, the Mets, and he would fall into the same category. Now what that is interesting is that you've got a kind of twofold. You've got an unknown quantity coming over better resume than Senga. And you also have a rotation now. If you were bringing over Yamamoto, put Otani aside, let's assume he signed somewhere else. The whole six days and spacing out the rotation, that becomes problematic with multiple Japanese pitchers. Is that overrated? Is that something that maybe they could build themselves into? But the Mets seem to, with Senga really want to play into that six days. Also maybe to keep him healthy. Now you'd have two of those individuals in the rotation.
2: Well, what you would need is uh, seven of them.
1: <laughs> that's right. Seven. Well, good luck finding set. Forget about finding seven Japanese pitchers, finding seven quality major league starters. Yeah. Well, see, that's well, that's, a, that's, that's an old other story, but that know. is
2: the problem with that. And, uh, don't want to go into pitchers injuries because then I'm, I'm really talking out of somewhere other than my mouth, but uh yeah it it is an issue and i i'm not you're you're closer to how senga was used than i am uh some every every team has a different plan for getting japanese into japanese first year pitchers into it and every year it gets more and more evolved i remember the mariners had a huge plan for uh, yusuke kuchi It didn't help him much because he (laughs) took the opt-out, went to Detroit, to Toronto to be good. (laughs) But, you know, I think every year it gets better. The knowledge base deepens a little bit. The knowledge base of Japanese players going to MLB is getting more and more uh, thorough. They have more and more lessons to draw from. It, It used to be I'll tell you this, it used to be a thing that n- nobody thought spring training was going to be a problem. Oh, spring training, spring training, but Japanese spring training, and I, we might have mentioned this last year, Japanese spring training and MLB spring training are like uh, zebras and horses. They, they both got four legs and they run fast, but they, <laughs> they're not the same animal. They're not the uh, same, right. And it causes a lot of distress, and Masero Tanaka told me that it really freaked him out, even though he was on a team with... Hiroki Kuroda and Ichiro Suzuki uh, having camp every single day and only a half day is it's like the twilight zone for most of these guys, but that's changing more and more Japanese players know about it and they know the successful routines that other guys have had uh, in the past. And so you see things, I think Senga and, and, uh, Masataka Yoshida just did a remarkable job in their first year. Things, something that you really don't expect.
1: Well, Yamamoto comes maybe with even more hype than you, Darvish, you know, more hype. Oh than, yes. You know, Irabu. Uh the no hitter put him on another map. And, you know, I think he went from having pretty much a good amount of suitors to more than we even could imagine. Uh, talk a little bit about who he is. I mean, the numbers are great. That's all we see. We see the no hitter. We hear the numbers are great, but, you know, when you talked about Senga, you were really good last year, giving us a pretty complete breakdown of what you were actually getting because it's really hard over here in the States to just look at baseball reference and say, wow, you know, he's going to come over, strike out 10 per nine, his walk rate's low. He'll go 18 and five. You know, that's not exactly how it works when, uh, translate some of these numbers.
2: No. Uh, well with pitchers, you do know what you're going to get. Uh, he has, Had a taste of the MLB ball in the in the WBC, and now he's not. Now he does his his big pitch. He does throw a splitter, and it's a good one. It's not a great one. Uh, Sengas was Senga the splitter that he came up. He developed the last two years in Japan, was probably the best in Japan.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: His Yamamoto is one of these guys who does everything really well. His curveball. And and this is a a ball a pitch that he's going to have a lot of a lot of work to do in MLB. His curveball is absolutely filthy. He's got uh, on the other hand he has a good fastball. His fastball is probably going to be better. He'll lose command of it a little bit uh, for a while until he adjusts to it. And the same and then one but once he's got that then he's got a cutter too. So it's basically it's basically cutter fastball curveball uh he'll throw sliders and splitters you know but he throws that's a vast down. repertoire that's a vast yeah repertoire. he'll probably he'll probably tone you know tone those down because of the work uh, the work effort needed to control his fastball and uh you know and to get the the feel for the cutter on the mlb ball but once he's gone i think he will uh the take on him is he's just a uh, he's a very dog, again a very dogged individual, and also an extremely, like saying a very extremely good-natured guy, uh, who is open-minded. Now, the the, tape, the hit on him is that he's very small. He's a small right-hander, which is not really a popular commodity in MLB.
1: Small pitchers, I mean, if you're below six foot tall, they don't even want to look at you anymore as a pitcher. Yeah,
2: and he's not um, He's not uh, powerfully built. He's just very elastic.
1: You know, he's So there's the got to be some now. injury concerns there, I would think, right, about breaking down? I
2: would think, perhaps, perhaps. But on the other hand, you know, he's he's sort of like the Ichiro Suzuki of pitchers. <laughs> Uh, He's he's not uh, overtly uh, powerful, but he just gets a lot of energy on his pitches. And he I don't know how close he is to max effort, which is really probably the big question. I don't think anybody knows him except his pitching coach and his track man.
1: That's true. Do you see him as being more polished than Senga? Do you see him coming in and maybe after a small adjustment being a top of the rotation pitcher or you feel it'd be similar to Senga where you come in, manage expectations, and let's see where it goes. And, hey, if I could get number three status, great. But, you know, he'll evolve and develop into something useful. We just don't know what that is. I don't think he really cares what his
2: status is. <laughs> You know, most of the guys who reach that level, they're less interested, at least Japanese guys, they're less interested in, except Otani, of course, whose goal was to be the best player, was to be able to walk down the street and have people say, there goes the best baseball player in the world, uh, which I think he's achieved. But uh, most of them just want to be to perfect those things within their own game. You know, it's it's really the process. Japan talks about results all the time, but you know the the stars know that it's all about the process. Or at least the the durable stars know it's all about the process. So I think he's gonna he's gonna have a longer adjustment period than Senga was. He's a more multi dimensional pitcher, uh, and he's gonna get um, he's gonna have command more command issues than he has in Japan. He's gonna have more of those days where he gives up five runs probably. He'll have days where nothing works. And a couple times a season, and he'll have a bunch of those in NNP. But he, but because of who he is, because of his confidence, uh, he doesn't have any sort of liability. Uh, I think that's going to keep him from learning how to command that ball. I guess the one question is because of his size and the MLB ball is heavier. Whether the extra strain on his arm uh, will be an issue? He's been very, very durable so far.
3: At Parker.
2: He started his career in, in essentially in relief, which helps. He hasn't built up that much mileage on his arm, and he's adaptable. So I, I think he'll, he'll his adjustment period will be longer than Senga's, but I think the the ceiling is higher.
1: What would be cool, and I know I'm speaking from a, a Mets perspective, and I know it goes against what we just talked about a few minutes ago. Think about a rotation. Now, that would probably be 2025 because he can't pitch next year. Otani, Senga, Yamamoto. That would be a really cool thing. The Japanese media could go fly over to City Field. Maybe they're in a big postseason series, one, two, three. I mean, that would be historic. It would be Japanese culture coming over, saving the Mets, getting their first world championship in nearly 40 years. Think about the story there. Now, I don't know if the budget – and it is Steve Cohen. I don't know if the budget will allow it. I don't know if the cultural differences of these players and what they want will allow it. But it is a pretty cool thing to think about if you really want to be honest.
2: Yeah, and you're forgetting Shota Imanaga, the <laughs> lefty who started the WBC final. He's coming over too.
1: Throw him so, in, and and that, maybe that's is that a nice and consolation he, prize? Uh,
2: he's a he's another small guy, but he has, and I I just want I, I don't know how much how much. um spin he'll be able to it'll take a while for him also to adjust because his thing is incredible spin on his four seamer mm-hmm. uh, he makes i mean really he's got one of the best fast he's he's i can't say he's got there's two guys in japan who are on the wbc team who have two of the best left-handed who probably who have the two best left-handed fastballs in japan and they're they get incredible rotation on those things uh they're not big and they're not actually all that fast. They're 93, 94, but that puppy is really hard to hit. Absolutely. And uh, I think, I think being left-handed, of course, you know, they're not, their people who are less worried about smaller lefties than they are. Uh, he's, he's gone through some struggles this year, but I think more, that's more of a, like what you you say, kikuchi did in 2017 when he was based his 2016 was his career year in japan and his 2017 season was his uh i'm gearing up for mlb season and what it wasn't that good it was a, a season of adjustments uh it just took him longer it took him four years instead of one year there you go but uh, i don't... think i think shoti managa is going through that this year but uh he he's also he's also a catch.
1: We talk about pitchers all the time from Japan. I think that started because of uh, Nomomania back in the 90s. But I have to tell you, uh, Masataka Yoshida with the Red Sox had a really nice year after a lot mm. of criticism by the Red Sox signing him. And there are hitters that I think, and tell me if you agree with this, and I know culturally this won't sit well with MPB, but I think baseball is going to start looking more, I would think, over there. Because you can get these players cheaper. It doesn't cost you draft picks. Um, The work ethic is there. Uh, Clearly, there's talent over an MPB, maybe more than we think. I know there's complexities and there's a lot of other issues with them coming over culturally and and obviously nationalism and things like that. But are there hitters that we're missing? And will we see more of an influx with, you know, with what's going on, Otani, with Senga, with, uh, you know, things like that? I mean maybe this is a new wave that we're going to start. Oh to yeah. See.
2: The hitters are coming. Uh, yep. the hitters have faced a, a, huge, uh, there's a huge obstacle in Japan when it comes to hitters. Uh, in fact, to all players. And that is, uh, the old guys and, and while they also insist that, you know, you don't do too, you don't try to pitch and hit that you, that lifting weights is something that is best left alone for baseball players. And if there's a couple of teams where they they work hard to discourage that. So to give an example, Otani went to a kind of a new age team, and he walked in the door. He'd never done upper body stuff in high school. And they said, here's your training menu. And he says, what's this? This is upper body stuff. He says, oh, I get to do that too you know he was all on board but some teams they if the guy if the the player comes in there's a couple of, there's a few teams if the guy comes into their team and he badly needs weight training they will not tell him out of fear of infuriating their the former players who are in the media and making a fuss so there's that huge obstacle however there are guys who are there are young guys now who are really really powerful, and of course the guy uh, everybody all the all the scouts know is Munetaka Murakami of the Yakult Swallows, who was the Central League Triple Crown winner in two, 2022. He was a bit of a bust at the beginning of the season, and uh, after he hit 55 home runs, which is an iconic number in Japan, it's the most that Sadaharu O oh had ever hit in a season after he hit his 55th home run in in 2022. He basically tailed off, and that pretty much lasted until July. He wasn't that good in the WBC, although he did have the two, you know, he had the the, the Sayonara double against Mexico, and he had the game-tying, I think he had the uh, game-tying home run against the U.S., but other than that, he didn't do much. Uh, he, he went through about a six-month stretch where he, who, he was uh, uh, not, The most product he wasn't making good contact. So, but he's 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 a a remarkable player and and he will be he will be 26 when he's eligible to come to NPB and he will MLB and he will definitely be posted. And that'll be in nine, uh, I think that
1: it will be 2025. So, a lot of guys are coming. Is there anybody else going into this winter that nobody's talking about that maybe? might emerge in your opinion even if it's a a component player uh we like to talk about the otanis and guys like that but uh if you've got more coming over be interested to see if anybody else pops up on the radar
2: well i think those are the guys there's often a surprise because there's sometimes players who have agents who talk them into it Mm
1: -hmm. sometimes
2: it's a negotiating ploy sometimes it isn't uh there are players who maybe don't really want to go but their agents go oh, come on come on give it a try uh there's a guy down the road Hiroyu Miyagi who's a teammate of of uh of uh, Yamamotos who's a small uh, another small lefty not a hard throwing lefty but a a pinpoint control lefty he's he looks like he's going to be a future Jamie Moyer kind of yeah. pitcher I mean he's kind of a Jamie Moyer pitcher now, which is really not an exciting
1: prospect for a twenty two year old, but uh Outs are outs, man. We gotta get over the you know, I look at it this way. Jamie Moyer pitched until his mid mid forties. Outs yeah. are outs. Yeah. Know, get was, outs. We need when, those.
2: But when he was twenty two, he threw hard, that's the difference. Sure. Uh sure. so but he's he's a guy who would will give I think he will give it a shot and uh and he's a he's a good guy too. So he said he had no he thought little guys could never go to MLB, but he's kind of changing. his – when Yoshida, of course, who was his teammate in Japan, went. He's thinking maybe, maybe, maybe. And uh, he's an open-minded guy and and again uh, curious. So I think he's interesting as far as hitters go. You might get Shugo Monkey, who's kind of like a Japanese baseball version of Chris Farley. He's a guy who doesn't really look like a ball player, but he is.
1: Daniel and he Vogelback, can... the Japanese and he... Daniel Vogelback.
2: And, he can, uh, and
1: he, he can dance. There you go. <laughs> he does well, that. I'll so... tell you, you know what's an interesting thing? I'd be remiss before we wrap up if I didn't mention this. I didn't realize that how many former Mets, Japanese players or managers in MPB. Masato yeah. Yoshi. I I mean, that's a name I haven't heard in forever. Sinjo, no. not a guy I thought would be a, a no, manager. No, now Kaz not, Matsui, not, the much maligned Kaz Matsui, who I think got a bad rap. He wasn't as bad as everybody made him out. I agree.
2: We definitely, I definitely agree with I that. I think he got
1: a bad rap. I think New York was a bad uh, fit at that time for him. It was a
2: bad fit, and he made a bad adjustment in spring training. And Hideki and Matsui didn't
1: back. help. You, got, you know, when you have Hideki Matsui doing what he's doing, and then you get the other Matsui, it's only, some, it's only, it's one of those things where wrong place, wrong time, you know, wrong team, so to speak at that point.
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Um, yeah. I talked to Art Howe about him
2: and, and Art loved him and uh, Motsi heard his, he, he fell into the spring. I think, well, he won't admit it. <laughs> Motsi's a funny guy. He'll say like, Oh, I hear some players do this, but it what, but not me. You know, he's, I'm talking about my friend, talking about my cousin. Uh I think he got freaked out by MLB spring training and overtrained and hurt uh in reinjured a back he re injured he op reaggravated a back injury he hadn't had since he was a high school pitcher. Wow. You know, like like thirteen years earlier. Sure. And it pretty much wiped out his first spring training and ruined you know it made him much harder to make adjustments as he as he was moving forward with the Mets but he did he did play quite well uh with the Rockies and the Astros and at the end with the Mets but yeah that that hurt him uh I don't think we're gonna see so many of those guys falling into that trap again I think the knowledge base is much better than it used to be but uh yeah, as far as the Mets managers, well Shinjo, of course, he surprised Japan as well. Uh nobody I don't think anybody outside the Nippon Ham Fighters really has any expectations that he knows what he's doing. Because he changes his his, his core his core philosophy as a player, he tells us every year is different from what it was the year before. <laughs>
1: I, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I, that's that's a strange way of managing the team. Which version of Sinjo will you see? What is his philosophy this year? That's well, very un-Japanese like, if you ask me. You know. Well,
2: you know, the first year he said, "I, I, you know, we take it day by day, and we don't worry about the pennant." But I think it's it's an adjustment to who the team is. I think it's as much as that. He's he's a fairly cunning guy who knows where his bread is buttered. Uh, and he has a fool act that he loves. And sometimes what he does is he's really good for some, for some young players because he doesn't expect he doesn't he doesn't overtly ex- he tries not to put too much pressure on them. Even you know he will, but he tries not to. But yeah, you're right, um, Kozmatsi and uh, Kazuhisa Ishii.
1: Wow, there's another name. Wow, and, I didn't realize that too.
2: And Shingo Takatsu.
1: So there's wow. five, five of them. Five managers all seem to all at Mets ties. That's, I mean, that's a bingo card. That's crazy when you think about it.
2: Yeah, four yeah. of the specifically four of the six specifically League managers played for the Mets, wow. and uh, one of them, one of them didn't. <laughs> one of them didn't. He was a coach for the Padres, and then another guy, but the central league is the old conformist league. And Takatsu is the only former MLB player who manages in the central league now. So interesting. interesting. I think that tells you a little bit about why the Pacific league is better.
1: (laughs) So as we wrap up, what do you got coming up on Japanese baseball weekly? It's going to be an interesting off season here in baseball. Lots of talk about players coming over. Obviously the big names, I'm sure Otani will come up at some point in the next couple of months with you guys give the listeners an idea because there's always interest in what's going on there about potentially the next guy coming over. Well, you you know,
2: yeah, well, we've got, you know, we pretty much respond to what's going on in Japan. We don't do MLB stuff too much except on a cultural level. Uh, So, you know, talking about what the teams are doing, how they're responding to situations you know, uh, is there gonna are there gonna be more teams in Japan? Are we talk? I think we also talk a lot about the the import players here. You now, what a lot of people overlook is that the scouts used to come to Japan looking for the Japanese, mm-hmm. and then when they were looking at the Japanese, they said, "Hey, here's this guy Chris Martin. Boy, he we he didn't look like anything when he was bouncing up and down between Triple A and." you know, triple A and double A in the Rangers. And he was getting a, uh, you know, and he was having adjustment issues and, but he's been in Japan for a couple of years and he's really got his, he's really learned new stuff and he's pitching in big games and he's a big player for them. And uh, okay, let's give him a shot. So I think it's very often, it's less about the Japanese guys who are under many contract restraints than it is about the import players who get, you can you can dodge free agency in Japan.
1: Is there any American players that we would know that are having a good seasons over there or somebody that we should be watching that could well, jump back?
2: I don't know watching if they're going to come back because most of the guys who come over here who have good seasons are guys who the fans of one or two teams know because they bounced up and down in AAA, from AAA. They sure. didn't get... Uh, they didn't get playing off op- the opportunities they needed to adjust in the U S so then they come to Japan and they get, a, you know, they get a commitment They get a commitment from a team and they show you what they can do. Uh, guys who might be coming back. I, I hesitate to say right off the bat, but there are, there are a few guys. Uh, I think, uh, I think uh, Adam Adam Walker, who had a, a played briefly in MLB, and he was a two time uh, Independent League MVP for the Milwaukee Milkmen. Uh, he's been playing quite well for the Giants, and they don't seem all that happy with him right now. But he's 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 a, he's a good player. He and he's still fairly young, so I think he might get a chance in
1: MLB. Interesting. Well, Jim, thanks so much for joining us on this Sunday. Monday for you Sunday here we'll be watching uh Yamamoto and Otani and the progress of Senga and whoever else comes over and I'm sure if something happens you're the first guy we're going to call so keep us on your speed dial and, and be well <laughs> and thanks be well and thanks again
2: well you know where to find me so you're always
1: welcome thank you and that's Jim Allen Japan Baseball Weekly uh, jballallen.com Uh, You can check him out over there and, and good stuff. So, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back and wrap up Hope to hear from you soon and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, we're back. Final thoughts, some interesting stuff from uh, Jim Allen. So appreciate a few minutes of his time, actually more than a few minutes of his time. And that was supposed to be the show and we were going to go into the Far East and and how important it is to rebuild the team. But now, you know, I I feel like I'm obligated to put the, the segment out there and I think it's some interesting stuff to talk about but i'm at a point i don't even know how to where to go with this team i have to tell you i'm tired and like i told you in the opening nothing more frustrating than to be talking about a new gm a new manager i wonder if stern's regrets firing bucks have been interesting to see if they could use they could probably use some of the stability that buck could have brought i said from the start he should have came in and evaluated this organization before pulling the trigger but look it's done what's done is done Buck's going to get another job. You already hear about him in Anaheim. Wouldn't be surprised if the Giants look him up. I, I predict at some point if he doesn't get a job this offseason, things, if things don't go well for the Yankees, he'll be a candidate over there as they try to go old school with guys like Omar Minaya and, and, and Brian Saban bringing in there as, as part of Brian Cashman's cabinet. Do we have another sign-stealing you know winter ahead of us with this Phantom DL? No, I told you what it's all about. It's about baseball sending a message. It's the mob showing up to your shop, breaking a couple of windows, threatening you, and showing you what they can do if you don't pay attention and listen. How will Cole respond? Be very interesting. Will he start coloring within the lines and and not use the market inefficiency, which is an owner with a lot of money willing to lose it for a period of time? We'll see. David Stearns has a big job in front of him. And the only good news I could give you as I wrap up, as I said in the beginning is you have an experienced well-respected individual running the team now nobody in the media could criticize him on that it's not like you have the knives out for Stearns the knives are out for Cohen and it's going to be harder to mock the Mets on this because Stearns is involved if Stearns wasn't involved and it was an inexperienced individual wow what a what a mess that person would be coming into so we're lucky in that sense but um, make no mistake, there'll be more to come. And, and don't be fooled that this will be a slap on the wrist. They're going to unearth things. that are going tr- They're going to try baseball to make this out to the connection between Cohen, Cohen's ethics when it comes down to his personal financial empire and how it became such, to how he runs his baseball team. Simple as that. So anyway, want to thank everybody for tuning in to this edition of the Talking Bits podcast. As I said all the time, we'll be here weekly, even in the offseason. No breaks for us. We're here every week talking about the latest and greatest with the New York Mets. You can check me out all the time at com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can shut up a podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Tongue tied there. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silvatt, podcast.com, No G, Mike Silvatt, Podcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, no g. And of course, I want to thank the good folks from the fan side of Podcasting Network for supporting the show. I am your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back with another Talking Mets Podcast next week. So, take care, everybody. Meet
0: the Mets. Meet the Head for the-